Hello and welcome to Too Fit to Be Tied. Where we talk about health from a variety of perspectives. Emotional health. Mental health. Physical health. And spiritual health. My name is Jerome. And I'm your co-host, Constance. All right, so another episode of Too Fit to Be Tied. What are we talking about today? I was just playing our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> should, oh, hello. Should Hi. the podcast just be us listening to I know. our podcast? Uh, that's, that's basically what I was just going to do right here. Um, oh, that was so cool. I made a good point right there. I feel a little rusty. How, when was the last time we even shot one of these? Um, I I don't know. It's been a while. So I'm, I, might, I might suck at this. Oh, it was the, the Finding Love Again book. Yeah, that was a while ago. That was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Early April. Okay. So let me get back on the game here, okay? Yeah. Um, What are we talking about today? So we are talking about... um, I thought you were asking me. No, I was asking myself. Uh, We are actually... This is sort of like a part two, so to speak. So we spoke early on. We had a podcast about the book Attached, and we talked about attachment styles. You and I loved the book. We were obsessed with that book for a little while. It was one of our, like, top three... Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we have a, a, a very, we're just very curious and interested about attachment styles. And so I have been training um, a therapist in Glen Ellen in Oak Park, Illinois. And he, you know, you know me, like I am, I'm like, I can't wait to start training this guy because I want to talk to him about therapy. Right. It's like a, right. oh, one absolutely. of my favorite topics. And so I start asking him, well, what kind of style do you have as a therapist? And he tells, tells me, um, I'm an attachment-based therapist. And I, like, almost lost it. I was like, what? Oh, man, you got to play it cool. He might I know. you train him for free. <laughs> to pick his brain? Yeah. <laughs> I, might get out of, I might get more out of our sessions than he gets because right. I'm just like, yeah. tell me about this. And what about that? What about borderline personality disorder? Tell me about narcissists. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not paying for this session. Right. <laughs> so, um, yes, he has – we get to talk to our actual – real professional about attachment theory instead of just you and I bullshitting our way through it. I, I, you know, I, I feel like I did pretty good with it. You know, he listened to our episode and he said it was very good. So wow, okay. we got a thumbs up from a therapist. I think, you know, we're on the right track. Yeah. All right. So we're going to call, we're just going to get right to it. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great, thank you. Good, you're on um, air. We're, we're going right for it, okay? You're on air with. Well, this is editable. This is editable, so don't think like you know. Um, no, ev- everything stays in. Yeah, the, Jerome meets Seth. It, yeah, Seth meets me, hey. Jerome. Seth, nice, nice to meet you. I've heard great things about you. I'm excited about this podcast. Man, likewise, I'm a big fan, Jerome. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I love the work you guys do. Thank you. Oh, that thank means you. a lot. That means a lot. Well, that, yeah, it's coming from a therapist. I mean, that's no, that's yeah, huge. for sure. Like we might be on oh, the man. right track a little. Yeah. Oh, you're on the right track a lot. Oh, you're thanks, on the right Seth. track a lot. No, I think. Um, I mean, a your rapport is great, guys, but you do a really good job, especially around relationships. Thank you. Um, so thank I'm excited you. to be here. Yeah. All right, so Seth, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your company, and then. Um, we did mention that, you know, you are sort of like 
the attachment theory expert. So tell us about that. Oh, yeah. I like to think of myself that way for sure, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. So I, uh, let's see, I became a therapist all the way back in 2001. So it's been almost 22 years. Um, I started out my career working with kids and families. So I've, I've had exposure to a lot of different theories and modalities, but um, the second half of my career, I, I encountered Sue Johnson's work. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's an excellent uh, outcome-based uh, theory of working with couples based on attachment theory. Hmm. And um, uh, so I, I took deep dives into that world and understanding uh, what what human bonds and co-regulation between uh, people uh, looks like and, and when that gets messed up, um, how to understand it and how to work with it. So I, I see adults and couples. I also do uh, some coaching, particularly around relationships um, uh, for folks that want to kind of go a little more straight ahead um, and aren't coming in in distress, but really just wanting to make their relationships uh, richer, deeper, kind of beyond even what maybe they'd envisioned. Hmm. So like being proactive about taking ownership yeah. of their relationships. I, I think in the second half of my career, that is what I'm really drawn to. Okay. You could think of it as preventative, which, which it would be. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I think the the better we get at um, feeling, and I'll go into this, but recognizing the cues in our body and reaching out effectively to be soothed by others, I call that interpersonal solutions. Uh, so interpersonal solutions to inner problems. It is so efficient and so effective. It works so much faster than like breathing and meditating. <laughs> if you know how to get that soothing from somebody else that you're safe with. So that's what I'm wow. passionate about. Wow. Okay. So explain to the audience, if they haven't heard the, you know, older episode on attachment theory, explain the attachment um, styles and how it works, especially in like, okay. you know, couples therapy. Okay. Um, first off, your your podcast on the book Attached really did a great job. So I'd refer people back to that. Wow. Um, I want to, I, the way I explain this, do you mind if I kind of riff a little bit? No, here? go ahead. Oh, go, go, for go for it. Okay. Yeah. So I, one way to think about this um, would be to think about a baby in a crib, um, a, a young newborn, and try to imagine um, that baby waking up in the middle of the night hungry. And so I'll ask you guys, what, how would you describe what that would feel like in the baby's body? Well, I mean, hunger pains. So you're, you're feeling Good. an actual emotion or an actual yeah. sensation. Um, right. So you just nailed it. That well, a lot of people say empty or they, they use a word that's a little conceptual, but you said pain and that's right. They would feel pain. They'd feel discomfort in their bodies. I mean, infants have no concept of what hunger is. And so in feeling that pain, um, which is the first step of understanding attachment. So uh, you read it, you feel it in your body. And the second step is, um, what does that baby do when it feels pain? Cries. Cries. So it, it relates what's happening inside. It symbolizes that pain which is an inner state to the outer world. And it does that by crying. And the wow. third step is hopefully 
somebody that loves that baby is nearby and they're available and they're attuned and they're responsive and they come and they pick the baby up and they feed the baby. Uh, and the next thing that happens is what the baby is soothed. The nervous system and the pain calms down. It goes away. Now, if you repeat that, uh, kind of good enough, if you repeat that, um, hundreds and thousands of times, uh, as a child grows up, you have a human being when they're older that believes innately that what they feel in their body could be soothed by another person. Hmm. And they know how to do those four steps. So we call that being securely attached, right? Um, so understanding attachment, and this is a little bit different than maybe how we talk about attachment styles. The first thing to understand is that it's not about fundamentally your relationship to others. It's about your relationship to your body and your nervous system and its cues. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, is totally. That tracking? Absolutely. Okay, so once you understand that, then you can kind of go into, well, how do we understand what we call attachment styles? You know, so there's secure, which I just described, and a secure person um, in their relationships uh, can feel the cues when something feels off or they're scared or they're sad, and they feel comfortable and confident in expressing that to their partner. And their partner in general knows how to respond to that and they can regulate each other. And ideally they can go back and forth and do that. If you have two secure folks, um, we have another, uh, you know, we have three other attachment styles. Um, and, uh, the first one I, I, I think is, um, well, we've got avoidant, we have an anxious or preoccupied. We could, um, Another phrase I like for that um, is ambivalent. Have you guys ever heard that? An ambivalent hmm. attachment uh, style? I did. I was watching some YouTube videos this week in preparation mm -hmm. for the podcast, and, and I did hear that, that come up. Oh, wow. Never heard of it. Yeah. So it's another word for the anxious type. Um, and I, I like it because it, um, it, there's a kind of, I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, and that's uh, the basis of it. Do you guys remember, I think it was an attached, the strange situation test with the little kids. Oh, yeah. The parent leaves. Yes. Oh, yeah. You guys talked about that. So I think it's really helpful. Just a quick review. A very famous study has been replicated hundreds of times. You take a toddler in a room in a strange place with a stranger and their toys on the floor. And, um, you know, mom... Uh, usually mom at some point is told to get up and leave without saying goodbye. Um, the securely attached kid, you guys remember what they do? They get up, they cry, they run to the door. It's the normal response is to feel scared and to pursue mom, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's the, the bid for regulation and soothing. And when the stranger comes over, the stranger can't calm them down. They're not distracted by the toys. Think about when mom comes back. What does the kid do? Reaches, right? Reaches up for mom. Mom mm -hmm. reaches down, picks up the kid. Within a little bit, maybe a minute, the kid is calmed down. And if you remember, the kid then does what we call kind of resuming the natural developmental activity that they're supposed to do, which is they play with toys, right? 
They keep going. They go right back to what they're doing. Now, we got the other kind of kids, and the first one doesn't cry, uh, stays there. And do you remember what he what they do uh, instead of getting up and going to the door? I don't know if you guys recall this. I don't remember. Um, they play. They play with the toys. They focus their attention on the outside world, hmm. and they move. They move away from their bodies and their nervous system. So. We would talk about these kids from the emotional regulation standpoint as they, they kind of ignore the data that their body is giving them. And in that sense, they're avoidant not of, a, of attachment figures. They're avoidant of their own feelings, and they do it primarily by distraction. They hmm. stay out, right? Uh, uh. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Tracking with that? Yep. Yeah. The anxious kid... You know, the anxious attachment style is, is kind of typically what we call it. Um, they get flooded. Oh, by the way, can I back up a second? The avoidant kid, if you put them on a, uh, a brain scan and a heart monitor and you were to watch that data on a, on a screen, you would not be able to tell the difference between them and the other kids. Wow. Which is to say their body is lit up like a Christmas tree. But they found a way to ignore it and over-regulate and, like, get past it. Okay. That's very important. It's not that they're not feeling it. They are. But they've learned how to override. And this is, if you think about it as an adult and you have a partner who's avoidant, um, if they get worked up, their partner is feeling sad or scared, they start to get flooded and they need to get away from that. They need to override it. And so they withdraw, or they go up into their heads, or they distract. Hmm. Uh, and they're not able to drop down and really meet their partners there. Okay. I'm throwing so much at you guys. You want me to slow down? No, 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 that's good. I mean, I don't I don't think I understood that before. I sort of thought the avoidant person had just, you know, didn't have the feelings. You know, I didn't understand. Right. I didn't understand that they were feeling it, but just separated from it. You, it's such. You're right, Jerome. It's such an important point, right? That no, they're they are. I, I always think of it in the brain as like a Christmas tree coming on. Mm-hmm. Like their their amygdala, their fight or flight response. It starts to light up, and that's what they're dealing with. That's the problem for them is that when that happens unconsciously and automatically, they have a certain response of how to deal with that. Um, It's not fundamentally about their partners. It's fundamentally about can they respond to what their body's doing? They can't. Their their strategy is to move away from it quickly, and they don't know they're doing it. So those types must be, I would assume, hard because you have to actually teach them to go into their feelings, which they've it. been used to not doing for however many years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Well, and usually all of them, right? Usually they don't, uh, the hardest thing about it is they often don't have any reference point for doing that hmm. because these strategies are laid out very early. Um, somebody with kind of a, a deeper avoidant style, you're asking them to do something they've never done. Uh, and and it on top of that, it involves feeling things that are incredibly uncomfortable. So y- you nailed it. 
it's really hard. You've got to slow them down and you have to slow them down and you have to slow them down and you have to kind of pull them down into their body and ask over and over again, okay, so what is happening right now? And what I've learned as a therapist is I used to ask, what are you feeling? And, you know, emotionally. And it's a really hard question for avoidant folks. They often cannot come up with a, a single feeling word. Hmm. But when I ask them, and sometimes I have to kind of pin them down, um, what is it your body's feeling right now as your partner? You know, and you'll have them look at your partner's face. Look at, look at how their eyes look. Listen to the tone in their voice. And what I'm doing there is I'm throwing these cues and triggers at them that's going to stir them up. When, when a, I don't know if you guys knew this, but it's a fascinating stat. Hook, all, hook adults that are partnered up to all those scans, right, those monitors, and have the one partner make like a, an angry face, right? Mm-hmm. Take a guess. Take a guess at how quickly the brain and the other partner lights up. Just take a guess. Oh my god, it's probably milliseconds. Yeah, that's what I would say. It, it is a. I'm sorry. It is one one hundredth of a second. Hmm. Wow. One one hundredth of a second. So think about how quickly the emotional language from a face is read by a partner, and then imagine how like clunky it is to try and use words about that. Right. Right. Yeah. So would you yeah. consider these anxious avoidant types to be emotionally quote unquote, I guess, unintelligent? I think, I think as we use emotional intelligence commonly, yes, a hundred percent. Yes. And the secure okay. attachment um, style would be more, have more of an emotional sort of IQ. Totally right. Okay. Totally right. Yeah. Um, now, but even within secure types, because remember, defining secure is that generally they can read their body and they can symbolize it effectively, right? But there's a whole range there. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, to, uh, to communicate well does take two people, right? And I think you guys discussed what if you're relatively secure, but you're attracted to somebody who's avoidant. Well, your secure strategy isn't going to work as well. It's not going to get the response from that person. And you're going to find that your system starts flooding. And then you might start acting like kind of the anxious person. Mm. And to go back to the anxious kid on the floor playing with toys, mom leaves, kid runs over, mom comes back, kid reaches up, mom picks up the kid, but the kid doesn't calm down. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, the kid starts getting even more upset as mom's trying to comfort them. And if you've ever watched, I've seen videos of this. It's kind of hard to watch. They they start hitting mom. They start kind of, you know, really getting ramped up. And mom starts getting really overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do. Wow. Okay. So what's the reason that that child, for example, right. ha- is anxious? Is it like, what? what is the... You know, is it because they, I mean, obviously they don't know how to emotionally regulate, but why is that? It's a great question, right? Um, I don't know if you guys ever took Psych 101, but we always had to, we had to do a rat lab where you go in and train a rat to tap a bar, right? Hmm. So 
if you want to get a rat to tap a bar for for eternity, the way you do that, we call it the slot machine principle, you you make a random ratio. So the first time it taps, maybe it gets water, but then it's three times, then it's seven times, then mm. it's two times, and it just you never know what the ratio is going to be, so you just keep tapping and tapping and tapping, right? Right. So think think of the parent as that slot machine with their response is going to be inconsistent. Okay. So a lot of a lot of times it's a depressed parent, you know, whose whose own emotions are really trumping what the child needs, so they're not able to respond consistently. And so that child learns to ramp it up, turn the volume up, keep turning the volume up. And once its system starts going, it kind of pushes over, it kind of turns over into like a critical mass where it can't calm down. Oh. It's just ramping and ramping and ramping. It's tapping the bar and tapping the bar. And paradoxically, tragically, that makes the parent who's likely a little unstable even less responsive. Hmm. Wow. Does that make sense? So it's really yeah. incons- inconsistency is the reason. Correct. Okay. Correct. You got it. Yeah. That was a very long answer. No, that. no, that yeah. made sense. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a little, like, I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. you know the cry it out method? I'm starting. Well, I thought about that, you know, so I, I wanted to go back to that. So you, you were taught your, your first example, you, you, you know, you were talking about a baby um, mm-hmm. being hungry. And I thought right. about that. I think we're on the same page, Constance, with that, is that that idea of just let the child cry. Hey, it don't judge it. I've done that. Now oh, I'm now I'm starting that, to really rethink a lot of my parenting skills. It's, Constance, it's, this, this, I'm sorry, guys, but that. The hardest part for me about learning all this stuff was how guilty I felt because we did the same thing with our firstborn. Yeah. And um, it, the rest of my life, I will wonder, you know, if, because they have some struggles, you know, they uh, deal with emotional regulation problems. They struggle with social cues. And that could be for a hundred different reasons, none of which had anything to do with sleep training. Right. I will always wonder. I will always uh, wonder. So how do you actually ensure, I mean, as best as you can as a parent, that your yeah. child is a secure attachment? So um, first off, let me just say to all the worried parents, <laughs> the good news is that even into adulthood, even at the end of life, the attachment strategies have plasticity. People can change that this work can be done at any point in the lifespan by the majority of people and they can learn to do this. And it's not, it, it's not like your destiny got it, or your, you know, your fate. So don't, don't sweat too much. You can always turn the page on this and, and work on it with your kids. Even, you know, there's always a window where you could start doing this. The key, the, the number one answer to your question is, you can't do this as a parent unless you can do the four steps and feel it, mm. express it, be responded to. If your body hasn't learned how to do that with someone else, it's going to be next to impossible for you to do that with your kid very well. Uh, well what, to, to what extent does, um, I don't know, physiology and genetics come into play? Because I, I imagine you could have uh, two children grow up in a household be oh, yeah. treated the same way by a parent and then possibly have different attachment mm. styles? Good question. You, you're, 
You're so right. I come back to the issue. Remember, fundamentally, it's about the feelings in the body, being able to feel them and show them and be responded to. If you have somebody that's born with a predisposition to anxiety and has nothing to do with the parents, you've got a kid who naturally runs hot and the parent who may be pretty secure um, won't be able to regulate that kid very well because they're just very hard to regulate. And so, uh, and likewise, um, some kids on the autism spectrum um, aren't reading social cues. So they're not quite processing when somebody is responding to them, what's happening or it's not landing. Um, I always put it back into that emotional regulation framework um, and everybody comes out a little different with how their engine runs. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. So I, it's okay. funny. I asked you when we were training one session, I said, mm-hmm. do you ever see secure and, you know, two secure people, um, mm-hmm. you know, in therapy? And then we kind of, we kind of laughed at the same time because it was like, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because they're yeah. both obviously secure and what I, you know, like emotionally uh, understanding mm-hmm. individuals. What's the most, like, what's the most complex pairing? The most complex pairing? Yes. Well, we we didn't talk about the fourth style. I remember Jerome mentioned it uh, in the Attached podcast, and that is the disorganized style. Okay. Um, and, and that's really the saddest one. Like that, that kid in the strange situation test, you see them get up to move towards the parent, and then they stop. And that you could feel their bodies wanting to go towards, but afraid to go towards. Oh, wow. And this is, this is a child that's been abused in all likelihood. Um, the, they're attached to the caregiver where they, their bodies say, I want to go get soothed. I want to feel reconnected. But it's dangerous to go close to that person. Mm. And so they're, they're really torn. So commonly we might call this trauma or complex PTSD, which is trauma that happens in the context of an attachment. Um, and... When we have one or actually two folks in the room that are partnered that have that kind of attachment style, it is extremely difficult because it's just so reactive and it, it turns into fireworks very quickly. And you have two people that are really, as they're processing the emotional data in the room, they're just distorting stuff and they're missing stuff. And um, mm. it... it uh, they're they're really captured by their nervous systems and what's going on, and they struggle to regulate. And and so you said the the pairing of two disorganized individuals, or just yes. a wow. Okay, that sounds like a a lot. Yeah, that's no that's no fun. Uh, that's and it's a very poor prognosis. Mm. Um, yeah, but when there's so the uh, model I use is called emotion focused therapy. Uh, it's it was uh, initially, initially sort of based on uh, working with individuals. Then it, it really moved into couples work um, with this attachment lens. And there are, um, you know, there there are sort of researched um, manualized treatments here with EFT that say, "Hey, ten sessions, and you should be in a really good spot." Hmm. Um, 
the reality is if somebody in the room has had traumatic experience, which totally hijacks the nervous system and becomes kind of like a knot in there that, you know, things can't flow through, um, you kind of throw that out the window and you just, it takes as long as it takes. And it could take years to really work through that process of feeling and representing and being soothed because the trauma that's locked in the body, um, you know, it just, once you hit it, everything goes and it becomes really confusing in the moment when somebody's body is living in the past, but, but they don't really know it. It feels like it's in the present. And, and that disorganized style is usually associated with BPD, right? Or uh, borderline? Yes. Is that or yeah? Yes. Yes. Mm. So a much a much more um, experienced, near, and accurate way to talk about borderline personality disorder would be complex PTSD or a disorganized attachment. Uh. Um, yeah. You could also view BPD through a lens of anxious attachment. Like mm-hmm. um, they, they tend to feel abandoned very easily. And once they do, they go into an attack mode trying to get reconnection. Um, they can be punishing of their partners when they feel like their partners aren't there for them, which of course makes their partner want to pull away. Um, and if their partner uh, protests and says, that's not fair, da 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 they can slip into kind of playing a victim and being wounded and making their partner feel guilty. And that toggle between being a bully and being a victim is what makes BPD so darn tough, you know, to, to be in relationship with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. Right. So you are our first therapist that we've had on um, the podcast and I've oh, been, cool. yes, you are the honorary um, only therapist. So <laughs> nice. with that said, I have a question for you. Like okay. when somebody comes to me and says, I want a trainer, you know, I like to always identify what my style is like so that they aren't, because right. there are so many styles, right? Right, right. Um, there are, are so many schools of thought in terms of, you know, getting your results. Um, and so, and I don't think people know that because they're not in that industry. So people just hire a right. trainer and then they're like, oh shit, this wasn't what I was envisioning or this wasn't what right. I, you know, expected. So, you know, when it comes to therapy, I mean, there are, you know, people like you that have, are, are sort of more into the attachment style theories. There are people mm-hmm. who are, and I know there's a, you can also mix, you know, you're not just one school mm-hmm. of thought. There are like the parts therapist. Um, yeah. There's the, ED, uh, what is it? EMDR kind of therapist. Right, right. So how do you know what to really look for when you need help? You know, that's, thank you for asking that question. It's an extremely helpful question. Um, yeah. I, I finding shopping for a therapist is, so difficult and you almost have to have a graduate degree to be able to get any sense out of reading a bio of, of what this person's about. Even then, um, so much of therapy, I mean, it's, it is in a lot of ways like training, right? It's, um, it's as much about the personality and rapport of the trainer as it is about their particular style or their philosophy. Um, there are a lot of different ways to get a workout but you're not going to stick with it unless you feel pretty safe and, and like this person gets you. Right. Mm-hmm. Even even more so with therapy. So 
it, it's tough because somebody could do the research on internal family systems, which is parts work, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and be like, hey, this is a trauma-informed treatment. I'm really interested in it. You know, I, did, I watched some videos. This is great. And I read your bio and it sounds good. And you could get in there and be like, you could know in five seconds, man, I can't relate to this person at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a natural barrier with therapy where I think the mindset needs to be, I'm going shopping and I need to have a, an actual interaction with this person, whether that is a phone call, like a 15 minute sort of chemistry call, FaceTime's even better to get the nonverbals or you know what, I'm just going to pay for a first session. I'm going to go in, but I'm not going to get attached right away. I want to really see what this is like. And I want this person to explain how they think about what I'm coming in for and how they think about what would be helpful and what their style is. And I'd want them to actually explain it to me. And I'd want to be able to be like, okay, that makes sense. I, I want to sign on to that. Hmm. If they okay. can't, if they can't do that, Um, you know, you want to probably go check out someone else and to start finding a therapist. I mean, you think about how people buy a car, they're willing to go test drive five, six different cars, sometimes at multiple locations. Um, therapy is a major investment. It's not cheap. It takes time. It could take months to years sometimes, depending on how you want to use it. And, um, we, we often don't think that much about it. So, yeah, I, I think there needs to be not just education that you, you take initiative on that, but a willingness to really go through a process of discernment um, before you kind of jump in. I'm laughing because I remember um, interviewing. I basically interviewed every therapist I had because I wanted them to yeah. have some kind of experience, right? And right. so when I was first married, I um, was considering divorce. And I interviewed this one lady and I said, have you ever been married? And she said, yes. And I'm like, well, you know, have you ever been divorced? And she's like, well, no, my husband, you know, died. And I was like, oh, well, this isn't going to work. And she was like, well, why? I said, well, because you loved your husband. So (laughs) I was like, you won't understand my issues. And she was like, well, we could try. I think I might be able to help, you know, Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, it was funny. And she actually was amazing. But I had to laugh because I was like, oh, well, you loved your husband, so forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's, I mean, that's really, I'm so glad you shared that story because there, there's actually truth to what you're saying. You know, I mean, that's a little comical. Like, there's no way you can understand me if you loved your husband. It's great. <laughs> right. I love that. But you know what? She um, was married, and I was some, like, that was helpful. There's some truth to that. Yeah. There's some truth to that of, like, does her nervous system know what it's like to be attached to somebody where you really don't feel safe right? And, and how you live really disconnected, how you don't go to them for help and soothing. Do they know what that's like? Uh, You know, somebody will have had to practice for a while and do a lot of work to be able to deeply empathically enter that experience. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's okay to have doubts, but it sounds like her response to the question was really reassuring. <laughs> like, know? I think I can handle this, lady, and then, and you know? You, hung out. you know, she handled your challenge and she met you there and that kind of proved to you she could she could be with you. Yes, it's true. Can, can yeah. you talk a little bit about um, how 
a secure person would deal uh, with each of the other attachment styles? Mm. Or, or is the answer just come to therapy? <laughs> oh, I always love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think, um, it, again, you know, this is where I, I always start, you know, with talking about emotional regulation because it's really tempting to do the, just put people in those three categories, right? Mm-hmm. Secure, anxious, avoidant. And it, it's really best to think of all of those as a continuum, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, some of us, like, Constance, I've heard your story about, you know, not getting picked up at school. Yes. Right? And, you know, somebody whose parent isn't really attuned and not that responsive, like, they're going to naturally be kind of avoidant of their own signals. Because their signals aren't going to work for them. So why feel them? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. why would I feel all upset and come to you if I know it's not really going to change anything? I'm much better off just moving away from my body and getting busy and focused on other things. And shoving those feelings down. And sho- right. Yeah. And just, right. Remember, you're feeling them, right? You're feeling them, but you're having to work hard to move away from them. Yeah, totally. And keep them out of consciousness. But are you a sociopath? No. You're not totally disconnected. Are you able to know when you're discontent and that you may need to get out of a relationship? Yeah. You know, you're on a continuum. You're not totally disconnected. So if you were with somebody, as I think you are now, right? Right. You're in a relationship with somebody who's able to have more emotional range. They're more flexible. They can do these dialogues you can start to move towards security. You feel safer to drop into feeling and actually start trying to struggle with how do I represent this to him? How do I symbolize this in a way that actually works and it lands on the other side, he gets it, and then he knows how to move towards me and respond in a way that actually works for me. Like, it's doable um, based on you know, so many factors that are hard to measure. Like having a child um, really is an education in attachment work. That you know? is true. And if you didn't have a child, Constance, like imagine relationships now, and would you be able to do that kind of emotional inner work if you didn't have to stretch so much, Yeah, you know, to be a good parent? Yeah. So it's, you know, Jerome, it's kind of a tough question to answer. Um, because it, it depends so much on like how severe we're talking. Right. Right. That, that makes you sense. Know, <clears throat> that uh, was really informative. Like yeah. that was. Oh, one, one last question. I just want to make sure I understood correctly. Um, I, I yeah. thought it was very interesting. <clears throat> it sounds like, um, you know, in the, uh, in the experiment with the children, they're, yeah. each of their bodies is doing the same thing. It's just how they're responding to it. You got it, man. That's so, right. The only thing, the only caveat there is the anxious, uh, anxiously attached, um, preoccupied kid. Um, mm-hmm. They're ramping up even further. Ah, uh, okay. You, you know, they're when they're not able to be soothed, you see that extra spike on the end, and it's that looks different. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's very important that all three. On the monitor, if you can't see what's going on, they really don't look that different, especially initially. 
Hmm. Wow, that's very interesting. Wow. Yeah. All right, Seth, yep. tell, every, tell us how we can find you, your website. Um, I know you have other um, therapists in your practice, too, that work with children and, you know, not mm-hmm. just, you, you don't just do couples and so yeah, forth. thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, our practice is called Grow Collective. Um, we're a collective of therapists and coaches. Um, we do, as a practice, operate out of these ideas, these ideas that a lot of our wounds and our sources of symptoms um, come from early relationships or were suffered in attachment relationships at any point in life. And so healing actually takes place relationally. Um, and it takes place with one nervous system tuning into another's and being responsive to it, helping people drop down, get organized in what they're feeling so that they can represent it and learn how to receive. We, we do that with every age and every presentation to some degree. Okay. That said, we also use cognitive behavioral methods. We use family systems. We bring in psychodynamic theory. All of that gets integrated uh, because there are just some interventions that really work, like with depression or with anxiety, um, that aren't just about relationships. So um, we try to meet the needs of our community. We're in Glen Ellen and Oak Park. We have 15 therapists and we're growing. Um, You know, we encourage people to reach out. We like to do the chemistry calls. Oh, that's great to know. Yeah, we really, I mean, it just helps so much. We want to find on the first try, we want to help people find the right fit. And then if it's not the right fit, you know, nobody's getting their feelings hurt. We want you to come back and give us feedback on what worked and what didn't work. And then we, we use that and try to, you know, just match you with the person that's going to be good for you. And that's not always us. And that's okay. Okay. And what's your website? The website is growcollective.com. Oh, that was easy enough. <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, really, thank you. This yeah. is such a great, um, you were such a great guest. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Um, really enjoyed talking with you. And I learned a lot uh, more about attachment theory than I than I knew before. Well, I'm, I'm really glad. This was great. And um, yeah, big fans. This is a bucket list for me. So appreciate <laughs> Thank you. it. Thank you. We'll and, let you know uh, when this is up. I'd love, anytime you want me to come back, this was a blast. Deal. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yes, we will definitely do that. Thank you, Seth. Okay. Okay. All right. Have Take a care. good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. That was like, look at us. We had our first therapist. Yeah. I'm so proud of us. Yeah, and you're, you're calling him by his first name. I, I call him doctor. <laughs> you're like doctor, uh, whatever. Um, no, that, it, was, that was great. You know what? I... Honestly, felt like I got so much personally out of that one. Wow, you got like a free therapy. I got session. oh yes, I really had like a couple of epiphanies. Yeah, that was. I really really like that. Um. Yeah, and I and I learned, uh, you know, that idea that, um, you know, all the children are feeling the same thing in their bodies; they're just handling it differently. Sort of changes things. I don't know. I don't know, maybe just in my mind, um, maybe I'm thinking about it in a in a weird way, but you know, it's like we've all got the same feelings. Like the like the anxious, it's not like the avoidant person just doesn't care. Right. You know, and they don't have the ability to to feel that. Yes. You know, it's just they just handle it differently. Yes. Well, I was that anxious avoidant child. I really was. 
And I have done so much therapy work to turn into a secure attachment style. So I see uh, the difference. Yeah. I was that kid that would just ignore and, you know, shove those feelings down yeah. and the avoidant. The outside world. Yeah. yeah. And I would okay. I would just kind of put myself into that outside world. Um and now I I mean I actually feel when I get triggered, I, I could immediately identify it's like in my throat. I get like a golf ball in my throat. Wow. Okay. And I get like it feels like fire coming up, like <laughs> I'm about to just freaking blow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then I have to, I literally have to ask myself, why am I feeling like this? Uh, and sometimes I don't know. And it takes me like half a day to process it. And then I'm like, oh, I felt threatened because I thought this person whatever, didn't want to spend time with me, let's just say, you know? Right, and it's right. like, before I would just shove that shit down and be like, I don't want to spend time with you anyways. So I'm oh, going to go yeah. do something else, yeah. you know? I don't care. Right, I don't, I don't care. care. And so it's just interesting to see how far I've come in my own therapy work because what a drastic difference. And if everybody yeah. could just be like that, yeah, the world would be a better place. <laughs> so... So once you get to where you want to be, the podcast is over. Is, yeah. that, is, that, is that what we're saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I, yeah, I'm done with it. This was all about me. Right. It, this it, is it, just really yeah. all for me. This is whole podcast is just for me to heal, really. But even like the, what did he, the um, disorganized? Yeah. I could see this. That was my mother. You know, it's like, oh my God, he's right. Like that, I, I mean, obviously he's right, but like mm-hmm. I get it. That was, no wonder why I became the way I was. Yeah. Because I had that. As my, you know, sort of model. Right. Well, the, the person that's supposed to be soothing you. Right. I mean, that's that's right. a lot. Well, now, you know, my daughter asked me to go to brunch today. And I told her I couldn't because I'm busy. And now I'm feeling like Uh-oh. I need to go because the crying out method has probably really messed her up. And now if I don't <laughs> meet her for brunch, I'm even more going to be pushing her toward that like, yeah, just reinforcing it. Oh, you got to work on changing that. I got to change myself as a mother now after that. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. All right. All right. Well, that was our second part of uh, attachment theory. Yeah. That was that was good. So, yeah, go back and listen to the first one. Because mm-hmm. this will make you, way more sense. Yes. Yes. And as you heard, we did a pretty good job with it. So we, A plus from… from from an actual therapist. He's a fan and he he was like serious. He really he was like good job, man. Wow. Like he was a fan of yours. Wow. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. You deserve it. All right. So I, I think that's it for this episode. All right, that's it. All right. So for Too Fit to Be Tied, I'm Jerome. I'm Constance. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>